This is Hemant. And Jessica. And you're listening to the Friendly Atheist <laughs> Podcast. Uh, please go to patreon.com slash friendlyatheistpodcast and give us all the money in your pockets. Well, okay. Let's just pump the brakes on that a little bit. <laughs> you can give us like five bucks a month and it's really helpful and about, it means a lot to us. About a month from now, I'm just going to steal the money from people. <laughs> it's, it's, there's a slow progression here. Sure. Yeah. You you're, you're like Robin Hooding in reverse. <laughs> <laughs> but we appreciate your support. And uh, uh, go, go to, to iTunes. iTunes. Rate, review, subscribe. Give Five, five stars, stars, whatever you write, I'm gonna read it. And if it's me, and I always read it to my husband, so like, <laughs> <laughs> just deal with that. Or sometimes I tweet it and say mean things. Um, hi, Hammond, how Hello. are you? I'm doing excellent. We were just talking about how <laughs> Jessica is gonna go to the airport to uh, Houston yeah. this weekend to to give some in talks. twelve hours. Let's not in twelve hours. And she told me she has to be at the airport like literally minutes before the flight <laughs> takes off. <laughs> Okay, I'm not an irresponsible flyer, first of all. My flight's at 9.30, and I was like, oh, if I leave my house at 7, given it's rush hour traffic, I can get to Midway by, like, 8-ish. And Hemant looks at me blankly and goes, oh, you're white. (laughs) And so I've just been faced with a lot of... If I got to the airport at the same time you're planning to get to the airport, (laughs) it's because I screwed up. (laughs) I overslept somewhere along the line. So you said, do you have like air, airport habits that you do? Like you always do certain things or go to certain places? Um, just wake up freakishly early oh, yeah. and just try to get there so I could just chill out. Oh. I'd rather chill out in the airport than chill out at home and then freak out for the next two hours. Because oh, I'm it's not going to make it somewhere. wasted time. I have a thing that no matter what, if I like pass where I know I want to get food, I have to go to my gate and like look at it. Uh. And then go back. It drives my key crazy. It's uh, just one yeah. of those things that even if it's at the end and all of the food is at the <laughs> other end, I just need to see it. I need to like experience its aura, know that it's real, and then I can like go about my way. Have you been to Midway lately? No, I they haven't. They only have bars now. Like I only I usually fly in the morning. There's one <laughs> Dunkin' Donuts, and the line is like wrapped around the airport. That it's makes longer sense. than security. But there's like 17 bars, and I'm always <laughs> flying out at like seven in the morning, like. This would be cool in 12 hours, I guess, but (laughs) kind of not what I need right now for my work trip. Okay, are we, have we hit all of our stand-up comedy airport humor? (laughs) God, this is, For the three of you still listening. Um, It's nine (laughs) o'clock. We haven't recorded at night. I know. For years, it seems like. So. All right, let me, let me start you with this one because this will piss you off, but, but there's kind of a happy ending, so it's okay. Okay. Uh, In Michigan, there is a story that it sounds like one we have talked about before because this sort of thing has happened before, but okay. this is a new story. The story is a woman named Rachel Peterson uh, was pregnant, had a miscarriage, which is awful, but she went to a, uh, a Myers grocery store in Michigan. Mm-hmm. She went to their pharmacy. It's a grocery pharmacy place and basically said, hey, my doctor has uh, a prescription for basically abortion medicine uh-huh. uh, because I had a miscarriage and I need to basically get this out of my system. Um, the doctor told her... Pharmacist. Pharmacist, I'm sorry. Um, he told her no. He cool. told her no because uh, this was an abortion-inducing pill that she had to take. Mm-hmm. And even if it's a miscarriage, he didn't basically want to participate in an abortion. But did he even know that much? I don't know if she told him it was a miscarriage or not. Like, I don't, she wouldn't Super have had to. not a thing he sh- she needs to share with him. No, it's not. And, but he refused to do it. There was n- and she said, can you transfer the prescription somewhere or something? Or is there anyone else who could take care of this for me? The yeah. answer was no. Cool. Um, he didn't 
He didn't transfer the prescription to another doc, uh, pharmacist who could take care of it. And basically what this woman had to do is drive like three and a half hours what? to a different pharmacist because she was in kind of in the middle of nowhere yeah. on a family vacation of sorts. Um, she had to drive three and a half hours to find a pharmacist who would take care of the medication for her and then drive back to be with her family. The ACLU of Michigan already recently filed a complaint this week with Myers. Uh, basically, they said it was discriminatory, mm-hmm. unacceptable. Mm-hmm. They called it cruel. Mm-hmm. They also said in the letter that the pharmacist, Richard Kalkman, uh, he said he couldn't fill the prescription for her because he's a, quote, good, good Catholic, Catholic male. <laughs> Those were That's what they quoted him as saying. I don't know if that's whatever. Um, and when she explained to him, and this answers the question we were talking about a second ago, when she explained that the doctors confirmed her fetus wasn't even viable, mm-hmm. uh, he basically called her a liar, saying, that's just your word. Fuck off. Uh-huh. Yeah. Uh, what the ACLU said to Myers uh, basically is, no one should have to endure humiliation mm-hmm. and the inconvenience of driving six hours to receive time-sensitive vital medication. Yeah. Um, blah, blah, blah. You got to do something about this, is what the ACLU said. This wasn't a lawsuit. This was a letter saying, hey, Meyer, what the hell are you doing? Get, your, Get your stuff together. Um, and by the way, adding one more... I didn't see this in the news report about it, but I read it in the ACLU's letter. Mm-hmm. It turns out the patient's mother actually contacted the same Myers... Um, to basically say, who the hell is this pharmacist that's not giving my daughter the stuff she needs? She wanted the name, right? Uh-huh. Like Mama's gonna. She was gonna come down. Basically, kick some ass. yeah. Uh, she wanted the name, and she ended up talking to the pharmacist in question. Um, and the thing is, the doctor, uh, the pharmacist relayed the story of why he wasn't gonna give the medication, but he basically gave her all the information. Of the patient. He told her, well, I wouldn't do it because this is what she needed. This is what her doctor said. And blah, blah, blah. This is why I'm not giving it. Which, I don't care if the mother is the one there. How Did he verify that it's her mother? How could he, other than she said she was the mother? He basically told her another patient's information without the patient's consent. Which flies against a bunch of ethics in addition to the ethics he's already violated. If this story doesn't end with this guy getting shit canned, I'm going to lose my goddamn mind. So anyway... So this is a story that we've heard many times before, right? Where yeah. a pharmacist says, I'm not going to fulfill, or I'm not going to fill your prescription mm-hmm. because I don't like what you're going to use it for. Yeah. I don't care what your doctor said. And actually, I saw this headline yeah. and I didn't bring it to this show because I thought it was a repeat of the one we saw a couple months ago. <laughs> no, and it's I, the same And I've been story, dinged a couple right? times lately <laughs> for bringing old stories. Thanks, Hammond. You're welcome. But yeah, it's, it's a different story. But um, the fact that, he didn't just give it to another pharmacist there. I don't know if there was another one uh, who was working at that time who could have done it. But the fact that he wouldn't help her out by sending it to a different pharmacist, Mm -hmm. like he just didn't want to help her. And this is, uh, I don't think Meyer responded in time, any other spokespeople in time. However, today, before I came here, one thing I did see is that Meyer said, this person, the pharmacist, no longer works for us. They did not say they fired him. They did not say he resigned. They did not say they ran him out of town on a rail. (laughs) (laughs) But they didn't explain why he's not working there, but he's not working there. There's your happy ending, that he's no longer in a position to do this to anybody. What's unclear to me, and what I think needs to be clarified, 
is what the policy is, not just in Myers, but in any store pharmacy. Like if a pharmacist doesn't want to fill a prescription for moral, ethical, whatever personal reasons they have. Right. It's one thing to say, okay, you could let that slide as mm-hmm. long as someone else is going to do the job you don't want to do. I mean, yes and no. I still think it's bullshit that somebody can be like, mm, no, I'm not into that. Like it to me, it's like if I work at DSW and I'm like, I don't believe in high heels. So somebody else is gonna, <laughs> like, you just don't get to do that. Right. That's not a privilege you I, get. I think we've talked about this analogy too. Like you don't get a job at Taco Bell and say, I don't want to touch meat because I'm vegetarian. Mm. Then you shouldn't be working there. I think my high heel metaphor is real, really more true to life. Cause a lot, a lot more people are anti high heel <laughs> than are vegetarian. But at, at the very least, if you're wearing a DSW, you could say, look, I don't want to deal with you because the high heels, but someone else is going to be with so, you to I deal. I still think that's inappropriate to... I, I agree with you. I think it's wrong, but at least the patient is taken care of. We could discuss yeah. why this person is working yeah, there. Right. But at least the patient's taken care of. And in yeah. this case, the policy of at this store, or at least the way this pharmacist was acting, was I'm not going to take care of you. Now you need to leave. I'm kind of bugged out by this because Myers are gigantic. It's a huge so grocery it's chain. wild that there wasn't anybody else yeah. there. Also, Hammond, look at this window. What do you see? Uh, out dark, the window. Dark. Dark. You see a Meyer. Can you like play the game for a second? I see a Meyer. You see the Meyer. Yeah. That's where I get my prescription every month. Do I need to transfer my prescription to Let's Target? Let's hope not. Is Target more moral than Meyer? <laughs> is Target going to turn me? I don't think Target would well, turn me away in my hour like, of need. It what, never has. How many pharmacists around that area? And I don't think there were many there. But the fact that she had to drive so far suggests that there was either no pharmacy in the area, so it would have been inconvenient for her, or no pharmacist who would have done what she well, needed. Well, I would presume that she had to drive to another Meyer because I, think that's I would what she think said, that yes. like her prescription, their their doctor called the prescription into Meyer, so yeah. I can't go to Target and be like. My prescription is here. Assuming it's after hours or whatever, and she couldn't just go to Jewelasco. In case anyone's wondering, the drug was misoprostol. The brand name is Cytotech. Mm -hmm. That's what she needed. That's what the guy didn't want to do. That Um, poor woman. Anyway, he's not working there anymore. But seriously, this is the frustration with these religious ethical objections where it's not just about your beliefs and do we respect your freedom. It's you're putting someone else in harm's way and you're getting in the middle of their medical decisions. That's not your job. No. No, it's true. And we saw that with Kim Davis, too, of like, Mm -hmm. you can believe whatever you want, but like, you can't disrupt somebody's life because you are in the wrong job for your weird, warped moral life. Yeah. Um, And while we are talking about this, uh, let's talk about a similar situation where a a Christian person basically says, I don't want to do the thing I'm supposed to be doing. Like, Mm -hmm. I have one job. I'm not going to do it. Um, Remember the Christian baker, Jack Phillips, who said, I don't want to make a cake so for the gay couple? I'm tired about talking about bakers. I know. He didn't want to make a cake. He, basically, the gay guy came into the store and said, I need a wedding cake. Mm-hmm. And the guy said, I'm not going to sell it to you because you need it for a, a same-sex wedding. I think our listeners know this story. I know. I We've know. done it every week for I five know. years. But here's the, the, the thing is, when it went to the Supreme Court, okay. what they said is, we're not ruling on the merits mm-hmm. of whether it was okay for Jack Phillips to say no to you. Mm-hmm. We're ruling it beca- because the Colorado Commission that punished the baker... They acted inappropriately. Okay. That's what the Supreme Court said. So on the merits of whether a Christian business owner can inflict their views on other people, discriminate Mm -hmm. against gay people, that's kind of still up in the air. Mm -hmm. 
So now we have a similar case. This okay. may be the next version of that case. This one's in Minnesota. And here's really all you need to know. In Minnesota, they have uh, an anti-discrimination uh, bill that was... I'm sorry. I'm going to get the details wrong. But they have a Minnesota <laughs> Human Rights Commission okay. that said you can't do that sort of thing. Uh-huh. And now you have a Christian couple, Carl and Angel Larson, who do video projects. Okay. Um, they, do a, they do a lot of video, uh, YouTube videos, things like that. They want to move into wedding videos because it's a lucrative type of position. Uh-huh. But they say, we're afraid that if we go into doing wedding videos, we're going to get a customer who wants us to videotape their same-sex wedding. We oh. do not want to do that. So before it has happened... They wanted to figure out, they, they basically filed a lawsuit against Minnesota's Human Rights Commissioner mm-hmm. and said, we're suing because you're gonna do this to us. You're gonna punish us. Mm-hmm. We don't want to be punished. So we're like suing in advance. And I guess legal standing being a question, they do have legal standing to bring this forward. Um, but basically, uh, a U.S. District Court judge last September, mm-hmm. more like a year ago, dismissed their lawsuit and basically what he said is for and uh, what he said is the Christian couple said we're going to post a notice on our website that we don't do same sex couple weddings we don't do gay weddings mm-hmm. the judge said that would be akin to putting a white applicants only sign yeah. on your storefront 100% like, agree yeah it's discrimination that is not protected by the first amendment mm-hmm. If you make wedding videos, you cannot discriminate against gay couples if you're like a public business. Yeah. Just like you can't say no to an interracial wedding. That is bigotry. So what they just did this week, uh, they appealed the decision. Now they're in front of a three-judge appeals court, right? And here's the issue. They... I don't know whether they win or lose at the appeals level. The three judges, incidentally, one was appointed by Trump... Guess how that's going to go. One was appointed by George W. Bush, the other by Obama. Already, that's a two-to-one victory for the Christians who want to be bigots. Mm -hmm. Either way, this case may get appealed to the Supreme Court, no matter how it turns out. And we have a new Supreme Court that may very well rule on the merits of this case. And this is getting back to the question, should Christian business owners be allowed to discriminate against gay people no. because they say no. it goes against our religion. No. Um, I have a question, yeah. and I may sound dumb, but I'm really willing to take that risk tonight. Um, when you say it's very likely going to end up in the Supreme Court, what, why, why do you think that? If they lose, if they lose, let's say, a two-to-one decision, uh-huh. or even if it's unanimous against the Christian couple, they will say, okay, we lost again. Mm-hmm. Hey, Supreme Court, take up our case here because we need an answer to this question. But you think that it's likely to go just because of where it is, the next step is the Supreme Court? Yeah. Is that what that's, you're saying? That's okay. the game plan for these type of lawsuits. Right. No, no, that, that right? part I understand. I just don't know what makes something more or less likely to end up in front of the Supreme Court? That's a good question, but I don't know that there's a good answer other than... Can we this ask is the sort of, wife? <laughs> this is the sort of case where they know that if... Okay, it doesn't matter how this goes. If, if they lose and they kind of expect to lose here, they want it to go up to the court. And all they'll do is say, hey, can you look at our case? You need four justices to say, yes, we'll look at it. You need five to rule in your direction. And mm-hmm. they have both of those now. Right. And that's the fear here. And now here's the other question. What if they win at the appellate level because you have two conservative justices? Now it's up to the other side, Minnesota's human rights people, to, 
Oh, what I do see. they do? Do to they say, up. well, it lost in Minnesota and it's bad in Minnesota, but where does that ruling apply? Does it apply to the whole circuit, which is a handful of states? Mm-hmm. Or do we just leave it at that? Because if we let the Supreme Court get to this, right. it could apply to everybody and they could take this to another level. It's a big gamble. This is a big gamble. And so this is where it gets scary because like, you don't want these cases doing anything, but it's going to happen. Right. Um, this is the problem when people don't vote for smart presidents. <laughs> this is the sort of thing that happens. Bigotry is going to happen. The question is, how do you contain it? Right. And it's because Christians want to be bigots. These evangelicals, I should be specific, mm-hmm. want to be bigots. So this is the next iteration of that lawsuit. It's coming. It's there. Cool. Don't God, isn't it going to be wild in 50 years when we look back on this kind of thing? And like, it's going to be... And say what? And just... This is what people were wasting their time arguing about. I hope that's the case. Because, yeah, going back to like, I want the right to kick black people out of my stores. I mean, you wouldn't see that lawsuit now because everyone understands. No, of course not. It looks so antiquated and it looks so bad on the people because it's on the same merits, right? I'm a white person, I'm a Christian person, or whatever. I have the right to say who I do or do not want in Mm -hmm. my store or as a client. By the way, I want every benefit that every business owner gets. (laughs) Right. I just, that's honestly a thing that kind of gets me through this sort of horrible, (laughs) horribly dark period right now is this, and I will absolutely call it this like smug feeling of like, Man, in 50 years, people are going to look back on you guys and think you're bigots and assholes. And, and we, you know, we were standing on the right side of history I, in this. I hope that happens. But I, I will tell you, I was reading something today. Do not I can't smash remember that what. for me. No, 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 I'm not. Um, I saw someone uh, have the phrase in the article was something about this is what happens when you're on the side of progress. The arc. Uh, what's the Martin Luther King quotation? Um, the arc of history is long, but it always bends toward progress. Something like oh, that. that. And I here's no, that. I, some rough version of that. But the idea was that this is going to happen. It's just a matter of when. And 50 years from now, we'll look back and say, oh, look at how antiquated this was. Uh-huh. That is not guaranteed. And especially when you have a court like this, who has, which has the ability to say, you know what? Christians can be bigots. It's legal now. That changes the trajectory of this stuff. Yeah. Like the chance to bend that but arc, also, we missed it. But also, those people are going to die soon, <laughs> and we won't have to deal with the arc of history. I just want to make sure I get as long bends. I might have gotten it pretty close to I right. I think you were close, if anything. The arc of the moral universe ah. is long. I knew history wasn't right, because that doesn't make any <laughs> goddamn sense. The arc of the moral universe is long, but it bends towards justice. I, I think this is the same thing also, with like... Also, it's Theodore Parker, not MLK. Oh, he par- really? He paraphrased it. He like borrowed it later. <laughs> this is the same th- reason oh, when, so people say, I that. when people your say Texas is totally gonna turn blue at some point. It's just a matter of when. Like, no, that's not guaranteed. You're you right. You cannot assume that unless you do the work to get those voters out and stuff like that. Like, don't just assume the election's gonna go in your favor. This is why I totally but, agree with the cynical, pessimistic people who are like, you? Trump, oh yeah, Trump will get reelected in 2020. Democrats will not have a blue wave. Like, I kind of understand where that's coming from because it's not guaranteed. No, it's and we not screwed guaranteed. up in 2016. No, but I th- here's and before. Wh- he- yes, but here's where I will disagree with you. To s- so I am of the opinion that that uh, Texas is going to turn blue. I think that now? no, no, no. Just oh, okay. ultimately, yeah. I think it's in the cards for Texas, given the way the demographics are going. Um, but me holding that opinion 
doesn't mean I'm like sitting on my couch with my arms crossed right. feeling self-satisfied. And me thinking that there's going to be a blue, ra- blue wave in three weeks doesn't mean I'm just like sitting and waiting for the inevitable to happen, which arguably most of us did in 2016. It mm-hmm. was inevitable that Hillary was going to get elected. Right. Instead, quite the the opposite. I want this blue wave to happen, so I'm out canvassing and I'm donating my money. And that's what has to happen. That's like the atheist version of thoughts and prayers. Like, you're not just sitting around wishing for it to happen. You're getting out there and doing something about it. Right. So I'm just trying to caution you against this, like, diametric opposition of either you're an optimist (laughs) and you're doing nothing or you're a pessimist. No, that's a fair criticism. What I meant to say was that if you think it's going to happen, you're right. You can't just sit back and assume it's going to change. Right. You have to make it happen. Yeah, I, so. I think X, Y, Z things are going to happen in the future. That doesn't mean... I thought gay marriage was going to pass. That didn't mean I wasn't, like, part of mm-hmm. the the political wave to encourage that to happen. But this is what I'm worried about, which is that when you have conservative courts and people weren't paying attention to the fact that one of the ramifications of Trump in the White House mm-hmm. and a Republican Senate mm-hmm. is that they can push judges through. Yes. This is the consequence of that. And this is not one of the things that gets a lot of discussion before a big election. Right. Um, so actually, okay, while we're at that, let's talk about let's talk about the court thing one more time. Um, More courts? Yeah, because this is a big one. Because right now, everyone, including Republicans and Democrats, they are campaigning for elections. They are, if they're not, if they're not running, they're campaigning for other people. Uh But not everyone has to campaign because they're retiring or they're not up for Mm re-election or they they have other things to do. As we speak, one of the things people were criticizing Chuck Schumer about and Democrats is that they agreed to a deal with Mitch McConnell to like just let them easily get a handful of judges onto appellate courts mm-hmm. um, with very little opposition so that they could go home and campaign. Or campaign yeah. yeah. And that's a horrible thing. And it's happened like twice now with Schumer. Um and so, right, like, this week, while everyone was gone, remember when uh, Kavanaugh was having his hearing and you saw the dais of the Senate Judiciary Committee mm-hmm. and all, like, what is it, 12, 11 people on that thing? Uh, there were four people on the panel this really? week, all four Republicans, not even Chuck Grassley, the chairman. Huh. Four other random Republicans were there. They were the only people questioning the nominee, all of whom were conservatives. Christ. And one of them in particular has gotten a lot of attention from church-state separation groups. Uh, Her name is Allison Jones Rushing, and she is up for a lifetime appointment to the Fourth Circuit Court of Appeals. That's the level below the Supreme Court. This is a big deal. And uh, the one thing, if you listen to the testimony they had, like the one thing comes out of Orrin Hatch, the senator, the first thing he says to her is like, I'm very impressed with you. Like, of course, it's just a bunch of questions that don't really get to the heart of her problems. How do you like your eggs? Yeah. Um, and they just want to jam this through. They don't have the votes to pass her yet because they're not all in session, but they're trying to get all the initial stuff out of the way. This is her hearing. No Democrats are even there to question her, and they're trying to ram it through. But here's the reason people are really disturbed by her. Uh, When the, uh, The American Bar Association, they didn't even say she's qualified because she's young. She doesn't have the experience they need, like the 11 or 12 years of working, to even get, like, she? a requirement. Uh, I don't have her age in front of me, but she's maybe 40 tops. Okay. Like, she's super young for a lifetime appointment, which is the whole reason they want to appoint her. Right. Because uh, she's a Federalist Society person, because she's super conservative. They just want her to be there forever. 
when she was, oh, by the way, she did work for an organization uh, for a long time, in addition to clerking for, I think, Gorsuch and Scalia before uh, she worked for Alliance Defending Freedom, the conservative legal group. Mm -hmm. And when she was there, she wrote a law review article that basically said, you know how all the church-state separation groups file lawsuits over Ten Commandments monuments outside state capitol buildings or um, ten, I'm sorry, the... uh, yeah, Ten Commandments, Ten Commandments or nativity scenes outside sure. city halls. Whenever Crosses they file those lawsuits, property, yeah. they have to say, here's why this, here's why I have legal standing to bring this case. Mm-hmm. And their argument is always, look, I have to go to city hall because I have to pay my bills or something. And I see this and this violates my beliefs. This is, they say it's offensive. But really what they're getting at is, look, I'm a citizen of this community. I have to use this building. It is my building, just right. like it's everyone else's. And this promotion of Christianity is wrong. Mm-hmm. Um, what her article was, it's called Nothing to Stand On, Offended Observers, in quotation marks, and the Ten Commandments. She basically said atheists don't have standing for any of this stuff. Church-state separation people don't have standing merely for being offended. They should not be able to bring forth any of these lawsuits, was the argument she was making in this article. And she, in the process of saying this, she said, who cares if you're offended? That's not a reason. Which... Uh, But I'm not... It's not that I'm offended. It's that my government is no longer representing... My beliefs. That's and it's right. And they're promoting favoring openly favoring else. somebody else's. And the thing is, you can't bring a lawsuit to complain about that unless it does affect you. Right. And this is really the only channel atheists and church state separation advocates have to file these lawsuits. Hmm. Who else has standing to bring it? No one. No one. <laughs> so along the way, she referred to, she used the phrase village secularist <laughs> in talking about church state separation people. She called them delicate plaintiffs with eggshell sensitivities. She called them weak. And even if you say, whatever, that's just rhetoric, that's not really the gist well, of it. it's rude is what it is. <laughs> it is rude. But imagine now she is in a position of power where people are bringing these lawsuits forward she would just dismiss them offhand, and we know that. She's not giving them a fair argument, even though all the courts beforehand and decades of legal jurisprudence have said, yeah, this is a totally legit reason. You have legal standing. Let's talk about whether they are following the law or not. Is that okay for a judge to be like, no, this shit isn't important to me? Judges can say, "You, I don't think you have standing. But but I'm sorry, not uh-huh. at a specific, not... For a, oh, this was in response to a specific case, I assume. this. No, this was a general article saying anytime there's a church-state separation is, lawsuit dealing with the Establishment Clause in the First Amendment, and their reasoning is, I'm personally offended because of X, Y, Z, sh- the court should just dismiss these cases entirely at all times. That's not great. That was her argument, and Republicans want to put her in a position of power where it's not just a thought experiment. It's going to happen. So... Uh, there was a letter sent by several atheist organizations. Mm-hmm. Um, specifically, uh, this is from the Freedom from Religion Foundation, Secular Coalition for America, Center for Inquiry, American Atheists. What they said in their letter to Chuck Grassley and the Senate Judiciary Committee, she cannot be trusted to give secularists, the ACLU or groups like the ACLU, including all of us, mm-hmm. a fair hearing in any Establishment Clause case. 
That's a yeah. fair argument. Um, Americans United for Separation of Church and State also pointed out that in 2015, during a discussion she was a part of, she said she opposed the uh, U.S. v. Windsor, which was the Supreme Court case that struck down the Defense of Marriage Act, which mm-hmm. opened the door to same-sex marriage. Um, they said she criticized the majority for writing the opinion in a unique way that calls it bigotry to believe that homosexuality does not comport with Judeo-Christian morality. Like, uh, what AU said is, with a hostile view of church-state separation, rushing, and other Trump appointees could change the balance of power on the Fourth Circuit, which ruled favorably on several religious freedom cases recently. I mean, these are, this is the same court that said, uh, there was a county that opened its city council meetings, a county council meetings with Christian prayers. Mm-hmm. They're the ones that struck it down and said, you can't do that. And she's going to be on that court and she gets to make these decisions now. And again, they're pushing her through. Democrats don't even question her because they're back home campaigning, mm-hmm. which is why Republicans are pushing her through. And they still currently have the numbers. And even if Democrats win the Senate, they still have the numbers to push her through. There's a lot of yeah. bad judges. This one's particularly bad for atheists. Yeah, I get, I was I was trying to think of like, okay, why would Chuck Schumer okay this? But I mean, yeah, they don't have I the votes. Who... I haven't heard a good answer. To, no, here's the thing, though. If there was a Democrat, they could find a way to delay these hearings. If there was someone there who could push back, get it in the record. There are like maneuvers, tactically speaking, to delay stuff. And not every Democrat needs to be delay home it till January. Yes. There are ways to push back at least some of these. Maybe not a Supreme Court because all the attention's there. But for these smaller nominees no one's paying attention to who have an impact, there is a way. And I still have yet to hear why people are okay with Schumer doing this. I mean... I've lost a lot of faith in a lot of things since since Kavanaugh got pushed into the Supreme Court. At this point, and I could be wrong, at this point, maybe Democrats' time is better spent boosting up Democrats and trying to get fucking more of them so they can cut this shit out. In a similar case where they were trying to push someone else on an appellate court, there was a push by civil rights groups that said this particular candidate wrote some really racist things way back when. And Tim Scott, the the black Republican Senator from Uh uh, South Carolina, maybe um, he was like, you know what? I'm not giving you an okay here. And he was able to kill the entire nomination there. So it's, but the thing is that only happened because everyone pushed back and even Democrats were able to get on board. Mm -hmm. And there are like two like the Jeff Flake types who won't actually do what you need. Fuck Jeff but, Flake. But who, no, do not speak his name no, in my house anymore. Don't worry, I'm not giving him credit for this. Or Lisa Murkowski or someone who might say, look, I'll you. say no to this lower court nominee because there's a million others in the pipeline. Anyway, let's talk about something happy. Uh, <laughs> are there happy things? Here's a happy thing. Um, well, Stephen Hawking is dead, but his final, <laughs> his final book... Sorry. We always need to talk about what happy means. I know you're right, still sorry. learning human emotions. I know. Your software isn't <laughs> updated yet. His final book just came out this week, and this is something he was working on, uh-huh. and basically it's called Brief Answers to Big Questions. That's a cool title. And basically what he wanted to do is give brief, succinct, in-English answers mm-hmm. to the things he always gets asked about everywhere he goes. So... The, the, I think there are 10 questions in the book. They deal with time travel. Can you do it? Um, tell us about black holes. Why are they significant? Mm-hmm. Uh, artificial intelligence. Should we be worried about it? And of course, people wanted to know if he believes in God. 
And in that section, um, and keep in mind, Stephen Hawking, even if you think he's an atheist and you always thought he was an atheist, he didn't actually say it yeah, definitively. Yeah, he was always a little squiggly on Yeah, it. he didn't say it definitively until 2014. And his books before then always kind of reference the mind of God, mm-hmm. like as a metaphor. Right. So it's a relatively recent thing for him to say he's an atheist. Yeah. But in the book, what he says is we are each free to believe what we want, and it is my view that the simplest explanation is that there is no God. No one created the universe, and no one directs our fate. This leads me to a profound realization. There is probably no heaven and afterlife either. I think belief in the afterlife is just wishful thinking. Now, a couple headlines that I've seen about this story are like, oh my God, bombshell in this Stephen Hawking book. It's not a bombshell. Like, well, if you know somebody's an atheist, <laughs> I don't think it's a, it's too far a leap to say they probably don't believe in hell. That's exactly right. Like, yeah, this is not, not a huge revelation because right. we already knew this. Right. But if it gets headlines like, hey, one of the smartest men in history says there's no God. Mm-hmm. All right, cool. I'll, I'll I wish you had said that earlier. I wish you could have been that definitive. Like, don't use it. Don't even use God as a metaphor because it'll get taken out of context. Of course. It's the same thing uh, Dawkins, Richard Dawkins has, speaking of evolution, has said things like, uh, evolution is amazing because it gives the illusion of design. Yeah. And of course, people Richard, take that out of context. Richard, that's not how it does. <laughs> and I think he maybe stopped saying that. Or at least <laughs> if he says it, he always includes that, like, that's not to say it is design. Right. Whatever. <laughs> I always think that the the Occam's razor, the the simplest answer, is usually the correct one. I always think it's an interesting sort of rhetorical device because when you're because what what you started saying is like I think the simplest. At first, I was like, to me, the simplest answer is definitely not that there's like some all-knowing creator that sent everything in motion and also like put clues down and made all these other things but made it hard for this and also made cancer a thing because why not? But the Occam's razor idea, the simplest answer is is usually the right one. Like it just sort of gives so much wiggle room to like what is simple to you? Because if mm-hmm. you're if you're reductive about it, or even not, I don't mean to be condescending, if you're if you have a theological background a very simple answer is a person created those flowers and this house and these people. And like that feels very simple when you dig into it from a scientific standpoint, it becomes infinitely complicated, but I don't know. I just, when he started saying simple, I was like, Oh God, don't say simple. People don't agree <laughs> what that means. It's right. a subjective term. Yes. Yes. Um, I, I'll give you Speaking one more. Speaking of happy simple one. people. Wait, I had a good oh, transition. Oh, good. Go. I was really excited about go that transition. It. I really jumped right. on it. Right. Um, <laughs> Fucking Donald Trump, what an idiot. (laughs) (laughs) So recently, climate scientists uh, warned that the effects of climate change may become irreversible as soon as 2040, which is really soon. (laughs) Like, that's alarming. Mm -hmm. Um, So Trump was asked about this in an interview and said the weirdest, dumbest shit I have ever heard in my whole life. And that's including all of the other weird, dumb shit (laughs) Donald Trump said. So... He normally, like, portrays himself as somebody who, like, goes where the, like, goes where the facts tell him. Like, that's where he, what what he pretends to be. What he is, is an idiot and a sycophant. So, you know, let that one go. So he said, quote, I agree that climate, I agree the climate changes, but it goes back and forth, back and forth. Which isn't completely (laughs) wrong, 
There it's, are climate shifts. It's cyclical, but there's a trend. That's you Correct. gotta zoom out, Hen- my friend. I'm I know you're with me here. I'm I'm trying to take this journey with you. Will you come on this journey with me? Go on. Okay. Um he said, quote, because you couldn't jump on that as a stupid thing, because this is what he says next. My uncle was a great professor at MIT for many years, Dr. John Trump. And I don't think I talked to him about this particular subject, <laughs> but I have a natural instinct for science. And I will say you have scientists on both sides of the picture. Is that the dumbest <laughs> thing he's said so far this week? Do you watch Family Guy? Oh, my. I did in the 90s when, when everybody else watched Family Guy. <laughs> Whenever fucking burn <laughs> on Family Guy, take that. No, every time because he's referenced this MIT uncle of his. Uh, has and he? I've t- never heard I, of this. I've guy. heard it a couple times, and every time he does it, I'm just thinking like Peter Griffin saying, "I had my great uncle something Griffin who did this," <laughs> oh, and, and it's, it's always ju- something ridiculous. I, and that's what it always sounds like. It's so dumb and fake sounding. <laughs> Is that true? Does he really have an uncle named Dr. John Trump? I believe that's accurate, um, but this idea that he has natural instincts about science. Oh, yeah, I'm sorry. I forgot to dwell on the important part. You don't have natural instincts about science. That's not how science that's works. That's not how it works. Yeah. Um, anyway, I was just point. really and excited that about was, my, my transition. That was, that was a good transition. Thank that you. was like, what, the 50th most craziest thing Trump said this week, and it should have been <sighs> higher up. Because that whole that interview be was story. off the fucking rails. Uh, here's a totally unrelated story. Is but this your happy story? Uh, sure. You said you had something happy before. I'm sure it's somewhere in here. <laughs> you should see my notes. I There's nothing just, happy written on I here. I see rape and GOP. <laughs> so, Hemet, can we talk about your yeah. notes for a second? Yeah, my notes are not helpful. Uh, this is something I did not know before. <laughs> I didn't. The journals I found. <laughs> <laughs> we dig up all the bodies. Yeah, when they find your body, it's going to see these notes, and it's not going to be helpful to me at all. Um, I did not know this. Astrologers apparently have a certification exam. Get the fuck out of my life. <laughs> How dare you say that to me right now? There is a, a quote, grueling exam. <laughs> That astrologers have to take, or they can take. You know, if you want to be a, a good astrologer. <laughs> wait, wait. I'm going to tell you what's on this exam. Oh, my God. I'm so there's, imagining there's an essay. Professor Trelawney and Harry Potter, and they're, like, in the attic and reading tea leaves. Yes. They have an it's essay portion. An essay. There are 600 multiple choice and true, false, and short answer questions. <laughs> Some of the questions, this is from a New York Times article, which I don't fault them for writing about this because I did find it interesting. But the fact that these, okay, the sample questions like, what is the sun's greatest distance from the celestial equator? What's the harmonic of a quintile aspect and how many degrees is it? And how often are Mercury and Venus trine? Trick, trick question, a trine is a 120 degree angle between two planets, which never happens between Mercury and Venus. Oh, this is the best moment of my life. Some of this may actually have like sun's greatest distance from the equator. Like, okay, there's an answer to that. That's yeah, fine. That... It doesn't have any bearing on your life is the point. Oh, I'm so happy right now. <laughs> this, this is the only test you fail by signing up to take it. <laughs> and this is, I'm sorry, a national certification? Yeah, so process? the organization that does this, it's called the International Society for Astrological Research. And it's their certification of astrological proficiency. Sure. Well, you don't want any fakers getting in there. Yeah. How do you tell the difference? 
You could literally print out a certificate from a printer that you made up. And literally, I've never once heard of someone saying, you know, I went to go see my astrologer, but their degree wasn't like up to par. (laughs) So I walked out because fuck that. Their certification lapsed. (laughs) Yeah. Was this the tweet I saw you make that like the headline was, even if astrology is fake, it's really hard. And you're like, if? (laughs) Yes. That was the headline in the New York Times. Like, yeah. This exam is not easy was the point they were trying to say, but it's meaningless. Yeah, and it's a like, lot of things that are hard that are true. stupid. <laughs> yeah. It's like, I was trying to think of what other uh, analogs are there to this sort of exam. It must be like trying to get a PhD okay. at Liberty University in creationism. Like, you're smart in nothing. Yeah. I don't know whether to give you credit for something that you made up. Oh, also, I was driving behind a car that had, I think, a Liberty University Medical School no. sticker. Is that They don't a have a med thing? school. Okay, I really... I want to know what that is. I was really troubled. I it was like in Hainesdale, which is kind of like a, sh- a zhuzhi area. They don't have a... But I don't know what that is. I could be wrong, but I don't think they it have was. It had like this snake with the thing. That That's a medical school thing, but that's not a <laughs> Liberty a thing. School thing. <laughs> but it said Liberty University, and I think it said it was kind of faded, but Interesting. I was... I, I kept that's I kept doing that. Do you ever you, like try to read somebody's bumper sticker and you like let me try get to like closer. get really closer and then all of a sudden yeah. you're like driving on their ass like yeah. a crazy. Um, anyway, <laughs> by the way, if you we'll link to the New York Times or we'll link to a post with the New York Times article, they have a gif that comes with that article that is basically a woman staring into space like she's super smart with random equations <laughs> circling around her, which is kind of like a backhanded, uh, they're totally making fun of this exam. And it was so funny to just watch because it's like, if you remember Beautiful Mind where the guy's just staring in the window with all the equations Uh and then people have made fun of it, like Homer's just looking out into space in The Simpsons and just have a calculus thing running around his head, but he's still an idiot. Uh (laughs) That's what this picture looks like. I think I know what gif you're talking about. (laughs) And I think it's a really common gif. I think you're an old dad. No, I think they made it. No, I haven't seen it before, I swear. Math um, woman. Go ahead. I, I, who's taking this? By the way, I had to look this up too. How much does this exam cost to take? Is it this? No, that's okay. not the one. All right. Um, you're, you're welcome, podcast listeners. <laughs> <laughs> um, I literally forgot we are recording. <laughs> the test costs $195 to take, but a wait. A bargain at thrice the price. Yeah, but wait, there's a test preparation course. Yes. <laughs> that's $350. Whoa. So that's how they make money Wait. off of this bullshit. Wow. <laughs> oh, my favorite part, because I went to go to the website, because now I want to know if I can take this exam. Yeah. Uh, my favorite part that I did not see in the New York Times article, mm-hmm. that I'm like, how did this not get included? It's an open book test, Shut and you can up. use whatever the hell you want that you think you'll need. Oh, you know because I would roll in there with, like, a <laughs> telescope. <laughs> This is the only exam where you could have a cheat sheet and it will mean nothing because you can make up the answers. Oh, my God. An essay test. Come on. Can we? We should send Ona, Ross, and Carrie to take that. I'm going to text Ross again. Do it. Okay. Uh, What else do you got, my friend? Well, since you brought it up, let's talk about rape uh, because it's on my list. You literally just have rape written on your... That's all I wrote down. Okay. Here's the story. There is a guy who writes for Barb Wire, which is a conservative publication. His name is... Barb Wire. Is it like that movie starring? I think the movie is Barbed Wire. This I think is her name Barb is Barb Wire. Wire. I'm going to look that up before I text him. <laughs> it's from Matt Barber, who's a conservative. It's his website. Anyway. I see what you did there, Matt. Yeah. 
So the contributor's name is Dr. Don Boyce. It is barbed wire. He, na- <laughs> he oh, named it? his website after a 1996 oh. Pamela Anderson vehicle. Oh, 3.2 out of 10 stars on IMDb. <laughs> is this a which good is, podcast? Is this <laughs> <laughs> which is probably a better rating than this website gets. But, oh, take oh, that. Dr. Don Boyce is a former Indiana state legislator. He thinks homosexuality is a crime that deserves a 12-year prison sentence. Sure. 12 Um, years. I'm sure he uh reasoned his way hard into that number. I know. So here's the thing. Uh, Not that long ago, he wrote an article about Brett Kavanaugh and how he was innocent, of course, of the sexual assault of Dr. Ford. And here's the reasoning he gave in this article he published a couple of weeks ago. Um, (laughs) The article said, she never screamed about it. When he assaulted her by her own testimony, she did not scream for help. And he went on to say, no scream, no rape. Okay, first of all, when you say that, you're supposed to rhyme it. Second of all, (laughs) she literally had a hand covering her mouth. Ah, that's the first thing that came to my mind, too. Here's what he actually said in the article. Rape is having sex with a woman while she screams for help. No scream, no rape, according to Deuteronomy Chapter 22, verses 23, 24. Ford says Kavanaugh held his hand over her mouth. So did she scream for help when his hand was elsewhere? After all, it was a bedroom of a house. Surely one of the other four teens. He has two hands, my good dude. He goes on to say, did she bite his hand, poke him in the eye? Women know instinctively how to protect their honor, blah, blah, blah. Since she did not cry out or stab him, I will not believe her without a film of the event. You're staring at me with glaring eyes. Hammett. Um, now, there's two ways to go with this. I'm going to get another glass of wine. Mm-hmm. You can talk for a minute. <laughs> I'm just going to take a little lap yeah. around my kitchen. Go ahead. go ahead. So part of me is like, well, I want to challenge this because, of course, if you're the victim in a situation like this, you may not want to injure the person who has power over you who may retaliate even more forcefully and I, I'm tempted to go through all the reasons he's wrong, but I also don't think he cares to hear any of these rebuttals, no. right? He doesn't. He's he not going to change his mind. Doesn't. The Bible said this, so he's done with it. Well, and it also doesn't... I, I think this misunderstanding is how often women comply, which I don't think Christine Blasey Ford did, by the way. But like, how Did what? Uh, I'm sorry, I don't think she was like compliant. I don't think she mm. was... I think she was fighting back as hard as she could. Right, right. But... This idea, like, women comply for their own safety because they think if this, if I give him what he wants, then he will rape me and leave me alone and not murder me on top of it. So, fuck that guy. So, this idea that this woman who weighs less than him is under him or whatever is going to, like, try to stab him or poke him in the eye. Uh There were, according to her, there were two people in the room. Like, this is... I can understand if she didn't. But anyway, this is getting into trying to fight like crazy with logic. That's not how you do it. But here's the weird thing. That article is no longer on Barb Wire's website. They took it down. Because Pam Anderson sued him. <laughs> they took just that article down. The site still exists. Really? And they didn't explain it. It's just gone. But here's the weird thing about it. Dr. Boys wrote a follow-up commenting on the backlash he got to the first article. And this time, he wanted to respond to, quote, 
to the, quote, screaming feminists who came out of the woodwork, out from under rocks, and out of their ivory towers to vent their spleen. Wait, 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 wait. Are we under rocks or are we in towers? Make this clear for me. I am in a townhome, and it is modest. Did you know you can vent your spleen? Um, I think that's an expression. I never heard that one. So here's the thing. Uh, He just, he reiterates everything he said first, and he's like, I choose to believe the Bible, blah, 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 as if that justifies saying something stupid. So the Bible and thousands of years of history support the fact that a rape victim must resist or there is no rape. No, fuck then he him. goes on to say the Jews, and I stopped, and I stopped reading there. <laughs> but it, one of the things he also says is, I believe she was honest. I, during the hearings, I believed Ford was honest but mistaken about her attacker. I felt sorry and pity for her. However, it is now my opinion that she's a liar and tool of evil, unprincipled Democrats. Oh, um, they didn't delete that article, by the way, yet. So we've talked before in this podcast about enthusiastic consent versus like attacking someone who doesn't say no or something, right? Um, and so. Everything this guy, and this is me going really low, so just like bear with me for mm-hmm. a second. Everything this guy says makes me think that all of his sex has been very bad and very boring. Because if you don't know the difference between somebody who is complying with sex to you and somebody who wants to be having sex with you, then you just, you need to... You're missing some important cues. Yeah, you do. Like, if you... I... Oh, that guy. Yeah. I hope he has bad sex for the rest of his life. That's that's what I, the curse I put upon his head with my feminist wiles and my spleen. Yes. By the way, I looked it up. Venting your spleen is that's an thing. expression. I just don't know the origins because I didn't well, look, look it up because that. I'm a professional recording artist. <laughs> <laughs> this is a story I wanted to make sure I brought up separate from that one. Um, this is kind of a win for the Christian right, but it is a weird story. So let me tell you the story and see if you can make sense of where this is right now. Um, about four years ago, mm-hmm. Atlanta had a fire chief. His name is Kelvin Cochran. Uh, he was a fire chief. He also self-published a book in 2013, before this happened, um, that was basically a Christian book. He's okay. a Christian. He wrote about being a Christian. Like the a t- nonfiction memoir? Kind of, something okay. like that. The title was, Who Told You That You Were Naked? Question mark, which sounds weird. and Yeah, yeah anyway, you're right. It's a good evaluation. In the context, he meant it. Naked meant someone who didn't have a relationship with God because good Christians were clothed. So who told you you were naked? Did he make up that His idea was, God is with you. Let me tell you how God is with you. Which, whatever, fine. But you're allowed to write terrible books. You that's are not allowed. To, that's exactly it. You are allowed to do that. He wrote in there uncleanness. I guess that's a word. Uncleanness. uncleanness. Whatever is opposite of purity, uh-huh. including sodomy, homosexuality, Whoa. lesbianism, Whoa. pederasty, bestiality, all other forms of sexual perversion. Blah blah blah. Okay, so that was a, a line in his book. Mm-hmm. So he's including homosexuality in the same breath as bestiality. Pederasty, yeah. yeah, like horrible. St- okay, that's bad. My, you could make an argument that whatever. This is a book he wrote on his off time. He is allowed to have stupid opinions. Right. The question is, is he doing his job fairly? He said he's a fire chief. He was a fire chief. Okay. Like if you're doing your job, like you gotta let the personal opinion slide as long as it doesn't affect your work. Okay. 
I, I would be okay with that. Okay. Um, and I think legally that would be okay too. Yeah. Okay. I, I should. I'm okay with it. I'm not. Happy I'm not about okay. It. With, yeah. Exactly. <laughs> so, the only way this would be a problem is if it, like, if he was like handing his books out to his inferiors. Tell me that's what he was doing. So that's what he did. No. Um, they, according to the the story, um, there were a hand a couple of people who asked for the book and he gave it to them. Fine, yeah. but there were a couple of employees who did not ask for the book who he gave a copy to. Okay. So now we have a problem. Imagine, okay, aside from how inappropriate all of this is, <laughs> yes. given the subject matter, imagine being in an office <laughs> where your boss is like, hey, I wrote this book, here you go. I know, and inside and like of giving it. giving it to you. Yeah. And looking at you in the eyes like, I can't wait for you, I can't wait to hear your thoughts on it. <laughs> Like, I'm afraid to tell people that I have a podcast because, like, people in my office are like, oh, I should listen. I'm like, you don't. No. Yeah. I literally had that conversation today. Someone's like, so what do you do? And I'm like, I don't want to have this conversation. I'm a very famous podcaster. That's so not what I ever (laughs) said. But here's the thing so he gave this book to some people who really didn't ask for it. And the city of Atlanta suspended the fire chief, Cochran, right? Fine. That sounds right. While they investigate and figure out if he really crossed a line and what they want to do with it. Of course, at the time, this is four years ago, religious right groups were freaking out. This is what um, uh, the American Family Association, a Christian group, this is what they said. A Christian brother is facing anti-Christian bigotry at its worst. The mayor at at its worst. The mayor and a councilman have shown their intolerance and hatred toward a person of faith and have proved they are willing to take revenge against anyone who doesn't embrace the pro-homosexual lifestyle. All right, lots of crazy in there. Uh, I don't know. I, I'm willing to... Wait, what did he say he's willing to, we're willing to do to people who uh, don't? Take revenge. Uh, uh, you know what? Count me in. They're <laughs> willing to take revenge. But here's the thing. They weren't, they weren't even being upset over his thoughts. They were not upset at what he wrote. They were upset that he was foisting this on employees who oh. did not ask for it. That's where he crossed the line. Yeah. So again... That's a legit concern. And by the way, the mayor of Atlanta at the time, Kasim Reed, also a Christian. This wasn't like anti-Christian persecution. Right. But okay, here's where the story gets weirder. Oh. Because that's oh not what this is about. <laughs> this is so dull. Here's where it gets weird. The mayor, Reed, he never said that Cochran like acted on his beliefs by because he was discriminatory. Uh, but what Reed said, the mayor is that Cochran violated the city's code of conduct by releasing the book in the first place. Um, As if he needed to get approval from the city if he wanted to self-publish a shitty book. (laughs) But wait, isn't there a thing that if you're in public service, you can't use your position to earn... It is debatable Money? if he was... It's not like he said, I'm, so I'm sorry, the fire... I, no, it's a legit thing. I learned thing. that from Parks and Rec. I'm so <laughs> sorry. I'm very embarrassed. My understanding is he, it's not like the book said, I'm the fire chief of Atlanta. He may have referenced it, but it's an iffy... It's a sore point. But basically said, look, my name is this. He's not saying I'm, I'm writing this as the fire chief. I'm not saying this as a public figure. I'm saying this as an individual with opinions. That he's allowed to do. So this idea that he was punished because he violated he, that he wrote he the, book. the book yeah that was a weird thing for the mayor to say sure um and then reed also said this is the mayor of atlanta at the time he said he fired cochran because of the potential for discrimination down the line uh, which again 
I this to me is not okay because everyone is entitled to stupid opinions. But isn't there an element of he's framing himself in a way that he's not going to treat everybody he well, and, and granted I'm, he's not like in a fire anymore if he's uh-huh. the fire chief but like if he finds a couple a gay couple in bed together is he gonna do his firemanly duty legit question to ask but unless like, that happens there's he didn't do anything yeah, you wrong. can't do like future crimes right this isn't minority report or something look at me making a movie reference hey this is that not came that. Out in the last 25 he, years <laughs> He didn't do anything discriminatory with gay employees or uh, yeah. people caught in a fire. So it's like you're punishing him for his thoughts. That could affect any of us. Yeah, you're right. That's you're right, not you're right, okay. You're right, you're right. So, um, so anyway, that's what the mayor of Atlanta did. Like two really stupid things. Don't punish him for publishing the book. Right. And don't punish him for maybe he might do something dumb. So, of course, now this goes into who do you, which side are you on? Because now I'm almost tempted to take the fire chief's side because the mayor was wrong on this front. I mean, can I take no sides? Can I hate everybody in this story? You are totally allowed to hate everybody. So anyway, this gets to court. Uh, A judge initially last year, a judge ruled in Cochrane, the fire chief's favor, Mm -hmm. saying the city was wrong to fire him for the reasons they did. Didn't say, uh, the judge said the city Mm -hmm. wasn't discriminating you because you were a Christian, but... They weren't right to fire you for the reasons they gave. And now we know how much money he's going to get from the city. Because, of course, they, the city appealed. They wanted to know what to do. Sure. They finally settled the case this week. And they just said, just go away. <laughs> we'll give you $1.2 million. I would go away for that much money. I, yes. Hey, hey Patreon. <laughs> I know. Patreon dollars. If you give him and I $1.2 million, we'll go away forever. Mm-hmm. You'll never hear my dumb name again. Mm-hmm. Do you think that will work? No. Okay. But yeah, <laughs> so now he can publish a lot more of his horrible self-published his books. books. But he gets a one point two million dollars, and he gets to be a bigot, and he gets to be a martyr for the Christian right because the mayor of Atlanta's was an yeah, idiot. Yeah, there's no heroes in this story. No, this is a lot of dumb really people not. doing dumb shit. I I have one more story for you, and it's a happier. Is it one. about the GOP? It is no. It actually that says goop. Thanks for reading my handwriting upside down. Oh, there's <laughs> a second O there. I know. Um, <laughs> Dr. Jen Gunter, who is awesome, she's an OBGYN and she's a really good watchdog of Gwyneth Paltrow and the Goop website. She basically uh, heard Gwyneth Paltrow said in an interview with like the BBC last week that she's unaware of like pseudoscience on her website because they asked about it. And she said, we disagree with that wholeheartedly. That we have pseudoscience on the website. Sure, jade eggs are proven by science to Mm -hmm. be good for your touch. (laughs) So here's what Dr. Jen Gunter did. She said, let me look at all your wellness products, the stuff that's supposed to empower women, like Gwyneth Paltrow says, and let's look at how much of it is pseudoscience. So just to be clear, uh, she did not include books because... Those are just books. She didn't include sex-related products, since your mileage may vary with if something works or doesn't work. Mm-hmm. She didn't include oral care, like a toothbrush, because, like, whatever, it's a toothbrush. And, and she didn't include anything for which no health claims were made. Mm-hmm. She looked specific, and she didn't do... So if a stone is going to help your aura, she's not going to yes. test that. Uh, she basically said, let's look at the stuff you actually make claims about. Um, so that leaves things like supplements... 
uh, jade eggs, which are supposed to help you in Gwyneth Paltrow's view, crystals, oils, things like that. And what she found, I'm going to read her summary here. In summary, 90% of products sold on goop.com under the guise of wellness. Sorry, did you say 90? Nine zero cannot be backed by science and many flout common sense, never mind biological principles. <laughs> some therapies... <laughs> fucking burn. Man, some therapies such as the supplements could be harmful as they are high in vitamin A and three contain green tea leaf extract, which is associated with liver injury. Wait, what? Yeah. Should the, I not drink green tea? Uh, I Specifically this thing. The concern is so great that liver specialists specifically advise against all supplements with oh. green tea extract, even in blends. Uh, okay. Gunter goes on to say, the idea that goop is not pseudoscience is not supported by the evidence that Gwyneth Paltrow herself has carefully curated for her own website. Wow. Mic drop. Fucking dunk on goop. Ugh. Yeah. Good so, for her. Good for her. You said Jen, Dr. Uh, Jen? Gunter. G-U-N-T-E-R. She cool. is awesome. She's just... It's awesome. This is something I've been asked by other atheists. They're like, I want to promote atheism, but what do I do? And... Like, not everyone's going to be the next Dawkins or whatever. And maybe or that's a good thing. Or the next Jessica. Yeah. Good luck with that shit. <laughs> but one thing that I, I try to tell people is it doesn't matter what you're going into. If you want to do medicine, for example, mm-hmm. like, be the best doctor or nurse or pharmacist you could be. And then use that expertise to push back against bullshit in your field. Yeah. Because there's a lot of it. Well, because I think this this the skeptical movement in general takes all sorts because it needs good communicators, which were generously under that umbrella. <laughs> it needs scientists, which were aggressively not lawyers, mm-hmm. which were not like, right. If you're a lawyer, you could do some pro bono work that involves church state separation or other yeah. similar issues. If you are interested in nonprofit work, you can get involved in that side of things. If you're a teacher, for example, like debunking bad ideas, 100%. especially within the, field where you're an expert in is such a big deal. Yeah, and it's it's not even necessarily trying to push any sort of a, agenda, because I don't want to say, like, teachers are going to go... But just to teach people to think for themselves and yeah. look to science and, and, and someone look in your, for evidence. Yeah, and if someone in your field is pushing an idea or a, a solution to a problem that isn't based in the facts, mm-hmm. it's so helpful to have voices that are there and credible experts in that mm-hmm. field who can push back and say, no, this isn't how it worked. So I appreciate that uh, Dr. Gunter is using her expertise to not just take care of her own patients, sure. but to call out the bullshit that affects them. That's such a big deal. So yeah, I, that's great. I, I appreciate it. That's really that. good to hear. So. Cool. Are we um, good? I actually have two pieces got? of listener mail. Yes. Um, so this first one is, I'm just going to jump in. Hey, you two. How are the two of you doing? Good, thank you. Please Hello. insert general praise here. Actually, I had a question about whether I should read the nice things people say about us at the beginning of their emails. I'm on the fence because I do have a massive ego that needs stroking. <laughs> I usually skip them if I'm reading them. Oh, well, good for I you. Know, I'm glad you have so much support in your life that you don't need, <laughs> you don't need the kindness of stranger. <laughs> You have no idea how wrong that is. <laughs> Literally, everyone I'm surrounded by just dunks on me constantly. Well, I'm right here. I can mm-hmm. hear you. Uh, I graduated college in 2016 and started to work at a grocery store. Not so- By the way, Wegmans. He works at Wegmans. Oh, that's the good one. Yeah. He said it's a nice... <laughs> this is his, his PS. It's a nice place to work. They, play t- they pay time and a half on Sundays. So this guy and my aunt and my mom are all like super all big right. on Wegmans. <laughs> Um, anyway, not soon, a- soon after, I became disincl- disinclined. I think you mean 
disenchanted with his life. Uh, Four years of college and I worked part-time in a grocery store. I felt like I had just suspended my life, not doing anything substantial. I don't know what you would call it, but I had some emotional draw to God. Intellectually, I knew there wasn't a God, but I, quote, felt that there was something out there. Something like the deist God, more specific than anyone. When I say, I know, please read that... He, he understood there was no existence of God. He just had this pull. Um, I was an atheist since high school, but did have this little lapse in faith or lapse into faith um, make me a theist since I... Oh, I'm sorry. Did this lapse make me a theist because I felt like there was something out there or did me thinking that there isn't any proof of God voided out? Now, a year <laughs> and a half later, that feeling isn't there anymore, but I'm still curious. Thanks so a was bunch, he a bad atheist? <laughs> yeah, that's kind of what I track. So first of all, Robbie... You graduated in 2016. So I graduated in 2008. And I had that, and this just, I do not say this to like bum you out because hopefully you have better experiences than me. I graduated in 2008, and just now the job I have is the first one that like I find fulfilling and make me happy and pay me a reasonable human amount. My, I also graduated in the height of the recession, so mine isn't the, the regular story. But, but understand that that feeling of being adrift is something that most people go through if, at some point or another. Some people go through it right after college. Some people go through it in their 50s and all of a sudden like, have a midlife crisis and don't know what anything means. So I just want to say that like <laughs> shit gets better. You graduated college, you're bright, you work for a great company like Wegmans. He says they have good wine, so I'm just hoping to get in good with them. Um, so I just want to say that. Like, fucking, I'm, I hear you. <laughs> I was there for so long. Don't worry. Just keep working at it. You'll get through it. Uh, for but, the question about whether you're a bad atheist or something like that, uh, in that idea. Definitely he is. I, Next question. <laughs> I, I understand the pull. This is one of the things I've said to atheists. When they think that if they just have the right responses to what religious people are saying, then they will no longer be religious. Like, it's not enough because yeah. a lot of churches and religious communities provide so much more well, than that. Also. Yeah, you can't just turn this thing on or off. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, how do you counter this idea? I understand the idea that you wanted something to be there because it made you feel better. Mm -hmm. I get that. There are alternatives out there for people who might be in that situation thinking, I miss having that community. I miss having someone thinking they're watching over me. Yeah, it's comforting. Well, yeah, especially w right out of college. Yeah. Such and when you're adrift of some, you know, at any time in your life, mm -hmm. that is tempting. Um, I, I think I don't have any problem with anything he said. None. I don't think like his head's not on straight because he kind of wishes there was something out there. Yeah. Um, I hope you still use your critical thinking in terms of like, oh, well, I wish it was out there, but I don't think there is. Yeah, that's fine. That's normal. It helps to have a community. Mm -hmm. Whether It doesn't yeah. have to be an atheist community per se, but like a like-minded group of people who you could see and hang out with who provide you that comfort and right. sustenance. That is important, which I think is a way to to help anyone who's in a similar position. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, no, I completely agree. And I think it's the most natural thing in the world that if you feel unmoored in your life, you're going to reach for anything. anything. Yeah. And if you just happen to land on God for a minute there and dabbled with it, like, listen, there's no problem with it. It's like... You do you, man. Yeah, like, take your own journey and figure shit out and do what you have to do. Like, I don't discourage anybody from doubting or, or <laughs> not or questioning. 
turn in your atheist card for having <laughs> right. a crisis of non-faith. Right. Yeah, I'm I'm like I'm almost thinking of like when people like they're generally straight but then they're like a guy makes out with a guy once and oh, it wasn't <laughs> for me but I tried it. Like, I don't know, that doesn't make you any less straight. You just did a thing once. Like, that's cool, man. Like, you're writing your own story. There's no mold you have to fit and there's no there's nothing just figure your own shit out like don't worry don't worry what we think not you and me but like we as atheists Mm -hmm. like most people who are currently atheists were religious at some point or another (sighs) so yeah i don't buy the bad atheist idea no no absolutely not i don't i don't think i think the only bad atheist is somebody who is an asshole, like, for reasons beyond... A- you know what I mean? Like, reasons beyond atheism. See everything we discussed earlier. Yeah, yeah, just go back and review that. Um, one more, and um, we're going to tap out. Uh, Jessica Hammond, I live in Montana. Cool, I used to live in Montana. Um, that's a cool part of the country. <clears throat> Unfortunately, this week we are visited by Trump. I follow and comment a lot on local news pages, and the amount of blind support backed up by ignorant ignorance... Hate and rage is astounding. It's really gotten me down lately, especially seeing all of this hate in my own community. As a transgender man in Montana, it's like I'm watching the world become more dangerous, both for myself and for other marginalized groups, with every day. I try to remember that there are a lot of good people in the world, but how does one stay positive in a world where hate and bigotry is becoming louder and more aggressive? I feel like I'm losing hope, and I'm not sure how to change that. Anyway, I always really enjoy the show. You're both amazing. Have a good week. Thanks, Isaac. Um, Isaac, thank you for writing. Yes, thank um, you. Man, I wish there was an easy question. <sighs> these last few years have been you hard, I think, for all of us. I would go back to the thing you said earlier about the, the whole arc of moral justice thing. Like, there's reason to think things will get better. Yeah. Yes. But at the same time, this, what may but help... it doesn't help you today. No, it doesn't help you today. But what may help, even in Montana, even being a trans man in Montana, is, is finding a way to be active and being part of that change, whether it's yeah. working with a nonprofit group that is doing that sort of work, mm-hmm. because then you get to see the change happening. A hundred percent. That makes a huge difference because it's like, okay, I know we're on the losing side of this in our community. Mm-hmm but I'm actually actively working with the change. And I'm working right. with people who are as committed to that cause as I am. Mm-hmm. Um, that is one way to keep your spirits up, even if you know it's an uphill climb. And, and in, at least in this case, like as red as Montana is, you know that there are a lot of blue pockets I was literally about over. to say, if you don't live in Missoula or Whitefish, <laughs> get the to Missoula or Whitefish. Yeah. I mean, even if you're living in a, in a very conservative Christian type Mm -hmm. of area. That's not the entire bubble there. But even if you can't get there, there is power in, in working toward that change any way you can. And if, even if you're like in the closet about it, even if you don't want to go public about Mm -hmm. it, you don't have to be the person who is the, the visible activist because every organization needs people working in the background, needs people to help out. And this is where, if you're working with a nonprofit group, if you're a part of a meetup group or whatever, mm-hmm. this is where I know it, it helps me stay sane knowing like I can try to help organizations or groups that are working toward the change that I want to see mm-hmm. as much as it sucks hearing stories about how it's not working. Yeah. But I will tell you, I've been doing this long enough that I have seen change in some ways. And, and yeah, it goes I mean, back relatively speaking, like trans rights, for example, five years ago were not even on the fucking docket. Mm-hmm. Like that wasn't something we were talking about. And now it's 
part of the battleground. That's not to say the world isn't scary and hard, especially for trans people, but it's, you're not, you aren't forced to be somebody you're not anymore. Right. Like I, 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 I'm not going to speak from experience, obviously, but like from what I hear, it's sure it's hard. It is bad. I know it's cliche at this point, but it does get better. It does get better. But again, how do you deal with it when you're in the midst of things? I think part of it is doing what you can to be part of that change because you are surrounding yourself with good people. Mm Uh, who are working toward it, that there's yeah. something to that when even if the world sucks, you have a positive community. You have a good group of people who are who yes. are on the same boat with you. I, I have. Yeah. I, to piggyback off to piggyback off that, like I do volunteer work with the special needs kids and sometimes it's really stressful, but it is a thing I do every week that feels positive in a small way there's literally two little girls who i work with week after week and some days it's you know some weeks it's hard some weeks it's great but like it's something that i feel like i'm affecting a positive change just in their little person in their world that's one thing so i would say find a thing whether that's like working with like volunteering with rescue animals or just whatever makes you feel good find something that not only is a positive force in the community for something you believe in, but also is good for you. The other thing is, and this is the thing I had to talk to my therapist a lot about, it's okay to be sad about sad things. It's, I know that's not the most helpful thing, but this, you're talking about like, I feel hopeless and whatever, and I don't want you to dwell on that, and I want you to find something. But the reality is like, shit kind of sucks right now and it's okay to mourn that it's okay to feel sad about that you're not losing and you're not i don't know giving in in any way by be just, angry then channel that and be sad and then exactly, channel that that's exactly right like i remember i um i saw my therapist the day before my two best friends moved to portland and i was like i don't know why i'm just like i feel sad and she was like yeah, because it's a sad thing. That's how emotions work. Like, it's okay to have an emotional reaction to what's going on because the world is fucking on fire right now. But don't don't wallow. Try to do something positive, even if it's for yourself or for your pet or for your community or for, like, making cookies for your work- coworkers. Do something that makes people smile and just try to find... Make sure you keep finding joy in the small things and shit will get better i bl- i believe that even if Hemant is a raging pessimist yeah <laughs> <laughs> Hemant, what's your happy thing buddy baby's birthday soon <gasps> so i don't know what we're gonna oh do oh my god but i cannot we'll do something am i gonna be invited do the babies want to oh, meet my think dog i'm holding a party hell no she's she's like three she doesn't know what the party is she's only three one of them is. <laughs> she should meet Daddy. She would love Daddy, I bet. Even she though she, probably does, would. she doesn't like me particularly. <laughs> but, um, well, good. That's exciting. So we'll do something nice. Happy birthday to her. Both of them. They're yeah, like, he's coming up too. They're, they're he's active and doing stuff, and he's almost talking. Is he? Yeah. Is he sassing you yet? Mm, close. Yeah. <laughs> yes. She is totally sassing me. She's. So she's almost three. So, yeah, she's, like, talking back. <laughs> that doesn't surprise me. She's, she has two sassy parents. She's making faces. Yep. <laughs> How come amusing. you don't bring them to hang out with me? Because uh, this is my time to get away from them. <laughs> 
You think I'm taking them out for fun? Hell no. I hope they listen to this in 20 years. <laughs> their daddy's like, fuck this. <laughs> Give me the wine. <laughs> this is my vacation. Let me enjoy it. I get one and a half hours kids free <laughs> at night. But usually it's at like 1130 a.m. I know. It's, like, it's not even fair because that's like work time when they're... They're out like I should be enjoying that time. You know, we keep thinking uh. of having kids and then you come talk to me about your kids and you're like, I don't know. The one was screaming all night. I don't know why. <laughs> <laughs> he won't stop making noise. <laughs> they just are loud all the Tell time. Tell me again what my happy thing was. I don't remember. <laughs> I don't remember. I don't know. I don't What's your happy was. thing? Um, God, I'm leaving for Houston Have tomorrow morning. I'm. Hello, yeah. Houston. I'm Have fun beyond with Jess. nervous about <laughs> this. I like. I'm excited for the roundtable. I'm. I finished my talk today. I'm pretty happy with it, but also I'm fucking terrified. This is the first time I've ever done anything like this, and I'm afraid that nobody's gonna like me. That's just my general overarching fear as a human. Optimistic. So, well, I guess what today's today's Thursday, right? Sure. So if you're in Houston and you're listening to this, there's probably time to go to either Humanists of Houston on Saturday or Houston Oasis on Sunday, and I will be at both of those places. Do it. And that's it. Thanks so Don't much. Don't forget to go to patreon.com slash podcast. Go on iTunes. Rate you can follow us. me on Twitter at Blueberry, B-L-U-E-B-U-R-E. I'm at Hem and Meta. Hem and, Hem and Meta. Are we done? Sure. All right. Bye. Bye.